Hello and welcome to your Over the Farm Gate podcast brought to you by Farmers Guardian. I'm your host, Olivia Midgley. Don't forget, we'll bring you a new episode of the podcast every Tuesday. Just make sure you subscribe on your favourite platform. On the show this week, and on the back of horrendous flooding over the past few weeks, we look at what the farming industry can do to make sure it has a reliable water supply in the future, and one that is resilient to both flooding and drought. There's a lot to be done here. Water strategies published by the likes of the NFU and CLA and others highlight the need for government funding from farm water storage solutions and investment in efficient irrigation technology, long-term investment in flood defence infrastructure and maintenance of water courses. And a key point here involving farmers and land managers who know their land better than anyone in that decision-making process. Well, here's Jess Fredenberg with more. You're still ploughing on and so are we. Get Farmer's Guardian delivered directly to your door every week and access the latest news from the world of agriculture 24-7 through fginsight.com. Simply subscribe to Farmer's Guardian. Check out our latest deals at fginsight.com slash subscriptions today. Hello everyone, here's hoping that it's a bit drier where you are this week. Storm Christoph has, of course, left hundreds of acres of farmland underwater, a situation which we're seeing in the headlines more frequently, as well as the other extreme of drought. So what can be done about this yo-yoing in our water situation? Well, the NFU last week urged action towards a more proactive and integrated water management strategy with the release of a new paper. And we will hear in a bit from Stuart Roberts, Hertfordshire farmer, and of course, the NFU's deputy president, about why he thinks we need a completely new way of thinking about water and how it could even be a huge opportunity for farming. But first, I gave Neil Webster a ring to find out about the current flood damage on his farm. Neil farms near Southport between Blackpool and Liverpool. I understand you've been, you've been flooded by the recent storms. Can you describe... The scene at your farm right now? Uh, like Armageddon, really. There's water everywhere. Ditches are full to the top. Um, there's geese, there's swans, there's... Uh, I can't actually send you a picture if you like. Yeah, please do. My goodness, it sounds quite quite intense. How how much of your land is underwater, do you think? Uh, probably about 30%. It's a lot, isn't it? Gosh. Well, yeah, and like we've had to, what we've actually done with one block of land, we, we've had to put like an internal pump in and we've had to bank it up to safeguard us from the environment agency ditches to stop us flooding. And I'm, I'm guessing you haven't had much sleep the last few days. It sounds quite stressful. Uh, we've not had much sleep, to tell you the truth, for the last two years because we had a bad year last year with flooding mm-hmm. from probably mid-August onwards and it's just exactly the same again this year. So the the reason why it's flooded this time, is it exactly the same as what happened last summer then? Yes, exactly, really? exactly the same. Mm. But we've just, yeah, it's just exactly the same. We've been hit hard in the last two years in the northwest. West. What is that? Is that a burst riverbank or what is it exactly? No, it's just, basically, it's just volume of water we're getting, which we've, we've had the volume of water over many decades and, and centuries, but it's just... The infrastructure now that's around us is not being maintained. And that's the problem. And like, they're not getting the water table down for the land to be able to absorb the rain when it is coming. Yes, of course. And have, I mean, has the Environment Agency been involved, um, you know, in the, last, in the last week or so this time? 
<laughs> no. Yeah. They're, they're, they're a waste of bloody time. They're, they're just... They just, they just, you just don't get any response. All they're interested in is people and property. Mm. If it was somebody's house that was underwater or whatever, it'd be there like a shot. Probably to put, like, we, we have a field of potatoes that we've lost again this time. We lost 70 acres last year and we've probably lost about 30 acres this time. Well, to grow an acre of potatoes, it costs like 2,000 quid. Mm. So that, we lost 140,000 last year because of due to flooding. And then again, this year we've lost probably 60,000 due to flooding on top of everything else with the pandemic that's going on. It's, it's just, <laughs> it's not good. It's, it's soul-destroying. I bet it is. It, yeah, it must be very stressful. I mean, how how are you holding up? Uh, fine, yeah. I'm, very, very, <laughs> I'm a very resilient person, shall we say. Well, that's good. <laughs> uh, you, you have to be in this job, though, don't you? It's just... Mm. Um, it's just hard work, and it's mm. I just I just wish really you could get the environment to do that. If they, if they would go back to basics and start dredging rivers like they should do, like they used to do, sorry, instead of listening to these textbook Charlie saying it doesn't, there's no benefit, it, we wouldn't be in this situation throughout the whole country. Just simple back to basics, mm. go back to the way it was, started with started the city where it wants to go, and just work back inland. It was done for a reason. All the infrastructure was put around here for a reason. And they keep forgetting and they keep building all these houses and putting tarmac down and loving that shiny concrete and one thing or another. And all it does with that is it runs off straight away and it's gone down the hole. So all it's doing is creating a problem for somewhere somewhere, somewhere else. It's not rocket science. Yeah. This is what the problem is. Well, I wish you luck and um, I, hope it, I hope it gets uh, sorted out soon. I don't think it's going to get much worse. <laughs> and thanks to Neil for sparing five minutes there at what is a clearly very busy and stressful time for him. Now, let's hear more from Stuart Roberts and a few deputy president about how the UK can better manage its water and even turn it into an opportunity. Stuart, so according to the NFU report, 57% of farmers have experienced extreme weather conditions such as flooding or drought in the past 10 years. It's a pretty stark picture. You know, where would you say we are as a country regarding our water situation and where, you know, how are we currently managing it? I think it's a, it's a great question. And what we do know is with climate change, we're seeing uh, more extreme weather events and we're seeing them more frequently. I don't think anyone can now deny that. That is happening. And I think it calls for us to think about water in a, a different way. We need to prioritise the issue. And, and particularly we need to, the, the word, the important word here is integrated, OK? So it's an integrated water strategy. Historically, um, we've looked at floods and we've worked around floods. We've looked at droughts and we've worked around droughts, but we've not uh, well enough, I think, as a nation, joined those together. And this isn't just an agricultural issue. This is a, a wider issue. Um, for example, you know, I was with a group of farmers, uh, this would have been about 18 months ago now, in Norfolk who, middle of August, uh, were desperately short of water. They'd got abstraction licences that were under huge pressure. They were facing very serious financial consequences because they didn't have enough water. And I then went 24 hours later, and it literally was 24 hours later, went to meet with a group of farmers in Lincolnshire, 53 miles away, who in the previous 24 hours had pumped millions of gallons of fresh water into the North Sea 
because they were under four foot of water across their farmland. Now, I know it's not as simple as just saying you put a pipe in that 53 miles and it solves it, but we've got to think much more about how we integrate our water system, how we catch uh, water when we've got it. We know at times we've got too much water and at other times we've not got enough, uh, and often it's in the wrong place. But actually it's not beyond the wit of mankind to, uh, to grab that water, move that water. We need to invest in storage. And I see this, we've always seen floods and droughts if you like as a very uh, a defensive thing you know how do we avoid a flood how do we avoid a drought and that's absolutely right but going forward i think we need to look at it as the opportunity we've got if i look around the world there aren't many places with climate change and with future forecasts that will have better prospects when it comes to fresh water that phenomenal resource and when i look at where some of our foods at the moment come from from places where there's huge water stress for populations, let alone food production, we should be making more of it. I see a huge opportunity, particularly in the fruit and veg sector, for example, in this country, if we can join up our water, uh, our water policies, our water deliveries, then I see massive opportunities. And we need to look at this in a very positive way, I believe. And I, I guess that's the thing, you know, like you say, we, we have as a country got a, a lot of water it's just not being managed in the right way at the moment and it's very reactive and of course if we look at there's a lot of other countries you know in the eu such as spain for example um france portugal italy that have long-term water strategies and have a lot less water than us but are still very productive agricultural countries aren't they so you know, what is it through the, this bit of research? Like, can you break down for us what are the, the kind of fundamental things that you think we need to, like, change as a country that we need, you know, what are the practical things that need to be done? I think the, the first thing is we need to... Uh invest in i suppose political ambition actually it's not just politics this is also what farmers can do ourselves and i'll come on to some of that but actually get excited about this area we get uh, often we get excited about big shiny pieces of concrete when it comes to flood defense for example things that people can stand in front of and have their photograph taken with but actually we don't think about some of the simple stuff so how do we make sure we're better maintaining the infrastructure we've got our bank our ditches, our, our rivers and canals. And it's also about thinking about things in a different way. So can I just touch there about canals, and I think they're potentially quite fascinating. They, they were brought in by our forefathers to do one job, which was transport, and, and that's what they were there for. But actually, with, with some innovative thinking by using new engineers and, and young modern thinkers in this area, why can't we use our canals as that infrastructure to move water this time, which actually gives us a huge opportunity. But there's also stuff we can do on farms um, so actually we can harvest rainwater i think that's going to be something that's really important going forward when i look at the the fruit and veg sector and some of what they do whether it be with hydroponics or some of what goes on i i farm as you know quite close to the lee valley um, and some of the innovation there about how we use water how we minimize our use or or, or maximize the utilization of that water is is really important but it's also 
uh, it's not just one person or one group that have the solution here. This is how we work with the Environment Agency, with central government, with the water companies, who, who actually some of them are really innovative and desperate to work with farmers. Others less so, but certainly some are. So for me, it's, it's not... Yes, there will be cash needed, there will be new investment needed, but it's more thinking a different way and getting all of those who have an interest in water from the farmer all the way up to think differently, but also think about how we use farmland and how we value that. So one of the things that's um, farmer you may well know, uh, Richard Bramley, who's, who's pretty influential in this area, certainly pretty influential in my thinking. Richard's farm is regularly flooded, okay? He has regularly got water across lots of, of his farm. And in doing so, what he's actually doing is he's potentially saving lives and saving houses and saving urban populations downstream. Well, that, that has a huge value. If, if you, I struggle to think of many better public goods, actually, than, than putting water onto farmland to save uh, lives and, and, and urban populations. But we need to recognise that. And often the problem is not the water arriving there, it's the time it takes to get the water off, because we haven't got that infrastructure there. We we haven't got those pumps there um, and unfortunately you know the the spotlight the media attention the political attention is very sharp when uh, when a high street is under threat the focus goes away very quickly when actually it's getting the water off the farmland that people haven't seen on the headlines and for me it's just about turning up the volume of noise around the importance of of water uh, both both in terms of when we've got too much but when we haven't got enough i mean that's the thing isn't it it's it, it is a national security issue and like you say, it's going to need a, a really collaborative approach. I mean, what what do you see about in terms of the role of, say, um, you know, other really big actors in the supply chain, such as retailers? You know, what might be their role in something like this in sort of building that infrastructure? I, I think that's a, a really interesting one. And, and there was a question. We did a, a live event on this at the NFU uh, yesterday. Um, and one of the questions was actually, what about the railway companies? What role could they play? And I was like, I'm, I, I was slightly thrown at one point. <clears throat> but you then think about actually the damage that was done, for example, in the West Country to the rail infrastructure because of water. And that's absolutely right. Uh, and I think we do need to join that up. But you, you touched about it being a, a national uh, security issue and I'm not going to disagree with that at all but I like to flip it on its head so actually what I do is I see the huge potential if we get this right so that offensive rather than defensive approach if you like and I look at uh, if we look at the embed let's look at supply chains that you just touched on look at the embedded water in some products that we import here where actually if we were to invest uh, domestically in catching water and storing it and using it uh, rather than at times just simply pumping it out to the North Sea and rendering it unusable then actually we could we could massively reduce the water footprint in some of that fruit and veg which which arguably is some of the most exciting sectors of, of agriculture and food production going forward uh, and and do our bit and as you say it, it happens elsewhere but it it does need a different uh, thought process if I go back 
10, 20 years, I'm just about stretching back, say, 20 years to when, when I sort of first came into the industry. Actually, the reality is it rained uh, most of the year round, except in the summer. We had sufficient water. It was fine. We've actually quite often these days got not, not got a lot different volume of water, but we've got it at different times and in extreme. So we've got to change the infrastructure we've got or the thought processes we've got to grab it uh, when, we, when we can. And, and some of this is not difficult stuff, Jez. Part of this is uh, actually some of it is some pretty simple tweaks, for example, in the planning system. System. You know, it should not take two years and hundreds of thousands of pounds to get a planning consent over the line for uh, storage of water on farm. The other bit for someone like the Environment Agency, for example, at the moment, it takes quite a time to change the conditions on a licence. So if we're having a, a flash event, okay, if there's a lot of water coming down a river catchment, it can take a number of days to change my licence to let me grab that water. Well, by the time that's changed, the water's actually already out in the North Sea. Um, we need to... And, and actually, we have seen the Environment Agency do some really good work recently on uh, some derogations to licences in East Anglia with the recent weather events, and that's great to see, and we need to see more of that. So part of it is about, um, if you like, the facilities and the infrastructure, but part of it is just how we work. Um, and the same applies to us on farm. We, we, we can't just look to other people to, to solve this for us. We've got to do our bit... Uh, uh, in terms of, of, of how we behave. And if you, in the document, as you know, we've got some case studies in there, including actually I'm one of them as it happens, but, um, but there's some great case studies about stuff we can do to make individual farm businesses more resilient as well. I mean, let's just look at your your example there, Stuart, because I know from Reed, I mean, I've read the, the case study and it, it sounds like, you know, for a while you were thinking, oh, this isn't something I particularly need to worry about too much. I have water. But it, you've kind of changed your approach, haven't you? I've completely changed my approach in this area. So I'm, as you know, I farm 24 miles north of Marble Arch. I'm 100 metres above sea level and I'm on heavy North London clay, right? So uh, I don't really suffer from droughts uh, and I've never had, well, other than this winter, I've never really had standing water, okay? So, so I have always thought, actually, what is it to do with me? Well, actually, it's everything to do with me because we're all part of a catchment. So that water that falls on my farm goes somewhere that fresh water that comes through the mains has come from somewhere. And I, I've recently uh, invested in a, in a new building. It's, it's a relative, it's the first big piece of infrastructure we've built on the farm for, for probably 30 years now. And um, I did some quick calculations. And actually, if I put in place a rainwater harvesting system, it's not difficult. It's a series of pipes and gutters and, and a few fancy filters. Um, I can save about uh, half a million litres of water a year off that roof surface. It can get me to a point where I don't think I will have to use any mains water in any of my farming operations, whether that be cleaning, whether that be, be, be uh, water for the cattle, etc. And actually, in a tiny way, that is playing a part of the problem. I'm catching water, I'm storing water. I'm also stopping that water from running off somewhere else, and I've put uh, in place um, some clever drainage that I saw over in Holland to slow the flow of water 
uh, onto my neighbour's farms and things. And I think in, in, in a small way, all of a sudden I've become, uh, I don't mind admitting, I'm not, look, I'm not a hydrologist, I'm not an expert here, but I'm absolutely fascinated by this topic because of the potential. The biggest problem I've now got, uh, Jez, is I need to come up with a system for what I'm going to do with all this water. I've now got way more water than I've got uses for. So actually, I'm now having a think with some local groups about actually, is there something I can do with my water that could help their uh, horticulture businesses, for example? And, and I just think what we find in, with water is people are looking for solutions. They want to work together. And this document, in some ways, is not, it's not a prescription. It's just about a platform to start to bring together all of those groups, uh, including central government and ultimately Treasury in this area, um, to actually start to talk about a massive legacy you know what what could we do today that is of the likes that you know Vermoyden did in the Fens or the Duke of Bedford thought about and okay we, we're not on that scale but actually that's the way we need to start to think because I think it's it's going back to this point it's not avoiding the negative the flood and the drought it's about maximizing the opportunity and 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 I think it'd be it'd be unforgivable if we don't grab this opportunity at this time it's a very interesting way of flipping it on its on its head like last year i really like that and there is it feels like there are so many different elements to bring together here but particularly that idea of yeah being able to use it as an opportunity perhaps even in terms of marketing to consumers imagine a water footprint label or or something you know there's all of that isn't there i mean is there is is there anybody else out there um you know any other countries that you know of that are sort of thinking like this and seeing it more as an opportunity as well the obvious one is holland okay now in some ways its geography is very different when you've got one of the biggest airports in the northern hemisphere about 10 meters below sea level it probably does um, focus your attention a bit but for me actually there are some lessons from holland which is about that political priority that positive the 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 sectors they've built because they've got access to water and and to some extent we're not unique in this country, but I can't think of many other places on the planet actually going forward that will have the same level of access to fresh water that we will. You've, you've seen many more parts of the world than I have. But I was out in, in California where they're, they're growing citrus fruit and various other things in a desert. And they are moving water hundreds of miles in a state where actually the human population potentially could be short of water in years to come. So that, for me, is why we've, we've got to look at it positively. And also, part of this is, I suppose, trying to, if I put the head on of a politician, think about legacies. So the legacy of, you know, investing in some infrastructure that could deliver some of the most advanced fruit and veg growing in the world with very low water footprints in a in a country that that has water um, i think is as well as then obviously having the flood defense that goes with it but actually you don't see it as a flood defense you see it as a water capture and a move so it's not not necessarily about doing anything different i think that there are technologies elsewhere as well about you know how we uh, how we use water we touched earlier about hydroponics and, and various other things i think there's some really interesting areas around that and also about what else you can do with water you know some of the uh, how you now put nutrition through water in some of these greenhouses is just incredible it's fantastic stuff 
I, I've got really excited about a topic I knew virtually nothing about two and a half years ago. And actually, if we can get everyone as excited about it, then actually we really could develop something that, that leads the world with the Environment Agency, government, water companies, I say, etc. And if we don't, it'll just be a, a massive crying shame that we've, one, missed out on the opportunity, but at the same time done huge damage to some of those most important sectors of, of food production. Is there anyone in Parliament currently or in government that you think could be a real ally with this? Who, who I don't know, perhaps you've already spoken to or who you're hoping to speak to and you think we'll really get this idea yeah and and there's a number i think i i ran an event um we launched a report i think two years ago now just over two years ago on the fens uh and actually lots of mps in that part of the world are really interested in this area um certainly uh when i spoke to rebecca powell before we published the document um about some of this and about how we can positively see water i think yeah she's really interested in this and i think I'm really looking forward now. Now we've got you know, we've got the document. We can always use that as the platform. I'm really looking to engage with with anyone in this area. And I think certainly there are a number of people in Parliament. I probably wouldn't want to individualise any one in particular, but there's lots uh, in different parts of the world. But I also think if we uh, if we look at uh, and we hear a lot at the moment about this the Build Back Better stuff and we hear about big shiny infrastructure actually you wouldn't need to invest very much money in this area in comparison to some of those big infrastructure projects to make massive differences and that's where we really want to start to engage thanks to jez for that report and to neil and Stuart. it's clear we need a radical rethink when it comes to water management and policies and incentives that are aligned with the needs of farming businesses Well, that's it for this week. We hope you enjoyed the show. Why not subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes of Over the Farm Gate? Until next week, from us at FG, thank you for listening. We hope you stay safe and well. Goodbye for now.